Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, welcome into Red Sox Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio. Of course, we are uh, brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for that fraction of that price because $50 off with the promo code Celtics is a great thing, so check it out. Uh, put that promo code in when you order a new mattress to get that $50 off. Um, of course, you can follow CLNS Radio um, everywhere. Twitter's at CLNS Radio. We are at Red Sox underscore Beat. Uh, Red Sox underscore Beat Podcast. It's great. Uh, Facebook. As well, we are there, so is Seonis Radio. We're everywhere. Uh, check us out. Um, great show lined up for you today. A lot to talk about. Good week. Um, no Jess this week, just Lauren. Uh, what's going on, Lauren? Not too much. I do want to say huge congratulations to Jess, who just got engaged a few days ago. I was about to do that. Yeah, yeah it's huge. Uh, they've been together for, what, seven years? Yeah. Something like yeah, that? Yeah, seven years. High school sweethearts. High school sweethearts get engaged, so yes, huge congrats to Jess um, and his new fiance. Uh, huge shout out to him. Bridget, um, them getting engaged. It's huge news here, part of the Sealness family, so we extend our gratitude and our success to him. Um, that's not why he's not on the show this week, um, but of course, it's just kind of good timing, so obviously we'll, we'll send our congrats his way. Um, very exciting news, um, but that means he's not here to do the recap, so I have to do that again. Um, good week of baseball, Lauren. Um, we had three against Oakland, uh, and now you're in the final game right going on right now as we record this. Red Sox are winning 6-3 um, in the four-game Houston series. But that first game against uh, Oakland here, Lauren, 14-7. Uh, Buckholz pitching for that uh, gets the win like, somehow. Um, he didn't look terrible against Oakland, but again, it was Oakland. Um, you win 14-7, bats came alive. Um, are you worried at all about the seven runs they gave up? Or are you, I mean, it's Oakland, so you can't really be too worried. But um, they did put up 14 runs, so that's, that's always nice. That was nice to see. It's nice to see the offensive burst. And, you know, for as you'll go over in your recap, they did the, they did at least 13 runs for three games. And Crazy. so that was nice to see. I mean, of course, it's, it's seven runs given up, but Buckholz was on the mound. And it's, 
it's, you never know what you're going to get from him anymore now. I know we'll talk about that later, but ugh. Yeah, you don't you don't know. I, I know we're going to touch on Buckles later, but you don't know what you're going to get. It scares me. Um, this game obviously highlighted by those 14 runs. A um, couple uh, ding-dongs. Brock Holt hit one, and this was the game that Jackie Bradley hit his grand slam. Um, so big, big. obviously, it's been Jackie Bradley's been out of this world, what he's been doing. Um, but that highlighted by those 14 runs, um, and Bogarts had a double in that game. Um, Mookie had one as well. Ortiz had two doubles, um, just hit a 600 career double the other day. This team's on fire, and this this game started it for, the, for this week. And it was it's been so fun to watch, and especially because the first game against Oakland, they had the A's had Sonny Gray on the mound, and you know he's considered yeah. one of those one of those really good pitchers, those top pitchers, and he gave up seven runs in three and two thirds of an inning innings. So it that was nice to see us jump all over him, and this team is just so much fun to watch. I know it's only May, but I I don't care. This is what I love about the rest of the <laughs> love about baseball. They have brought excitement back into the game for sure. Um, and also one thing I tweeted, I remember I tweeted out that like they could, they should go get Sonny Gray for the cheap. Well, he's pitching horribly for them. Um, I don't look at record for Sonny Gray because obviously he's on a bad team. Um, but I remember Jess tweeted back at me, still want Sonny Gray now? I'm like, yeah, I do. It's just cheaper. <laughs> he's still a good pitcher. It's just going to be cheaper to get him. Um, yeah, he got roughed up by us, but also you have to realize the Red Sox are the top offense in the league right now and run scored. Um, and they're way ahead of the team in second place. So they are the best offense in baseball right now, so no shocker they get to Sonny Gray. Um, and obviously we'll talk about Dallas Keuchel outing against Price a little bit here. Um, game two of the series, you get the win the first one. You're coming in, okay, you're good stuff. Um, something might go wrong against Oakland, but you don't expect it to. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan comes out, makes his major league debut. Looks okay. Um, I was at this game, Lauren. He, she, he looks pretty good from what I could tell. Um, obviously he's kind of a journeyman. He had some... Uh, Rough go. Uh, he's been around the league with the Phillies and um, a couple other teams. Good to see him get a good start, solid start here. And of course, the Red Sox go away with this one again, thirteen to five. And they just that offense just carried again once again. Yeah, this was a fun game to watch. And uh, Sean O'Sullivan, I know he gave up twelve hits over six innings, which was a little discouraging. But first start, first like major league start. So I'll, I'll let it slide. He got the win, and the team got the win. So. It, it could have been much worse, and like I said, the offense just came out again and really gave him the run support that he needed. Yeah, and you honestly, the way I look at the start, it was really good for him. He went five innings without giving up a run. I think it was just he was in there one too many innings because that sixth inning is when it began to unravel. If they came out, think about it. If he came out with five innings, or no one would have complained. Five innings from this guy, we expected. I I was would have been happy if they got to five innings and been good from there. So all in all, though, a good start from the guy. Yeah, he, I I mean I can't complain about it because. You know the red, the offense is just holding it together for the pitching and five innings. That that's that's good for your first start. Obviously, we don't want to do that every start because we don't want to wear out the bullpen. But I mean, five innings, your first start, and with the offense behind you, I won't complain. Yeah, no, it definitely won't. Uh, this game just started, the way it started, you knew it, this was going to be the type of game it was. Uh, Mookie Betts leads off with a solo homer, first at bat of the game. Um, two batters later. Um, or three batters later, excuse me, Hanley just puts a bomb um, over the monster. Ended up hitting the, the light post halfway up. It was projected as like 468 feet, that home run from Hanley. Uh, second longest home run in the majors this year, obviously beside, behind that one shot that Giancarlo Stan hit earlier in the year. But the, the way that first inning went, uh, you kind of saw this coming the entire way. It was 8 nothing um, through the three innings, and after the game was over at that point. Yeah, no, it's, my phone kept going off like, the Red Sox are leading like four nothing, five nothing, six nothing. I was like, oh my god! And like, then finally turned on the game at work, and I was like, 
wowie. It just like kept coming after that. Yeah, and you had Adam Travis Shaw homer in there. Um, Aaron Ding Dong City, good friend Jack Roberts, of course, says, and and it's right. He's been great for this team as the rest of the, the team has. So chalk up a win for that one. You move on to Wednesday. Another same idea. Rick Porcello comes out um, looking for his sixth win against this. Oakland A's roster, that's just not good. Um, end up winning 13-3, and um, you do what you're supposed to do. You t- if you're a playoff team like you're supposed to be, obviously coming off a terrible series against the Yankees, you have a series like Oakland coming in here, you take care of these teams, and they did, and they, and they did with no problem. No, and did you ever think Rick Porcello would be 6-1 and one through, uh, through May? Like, no, God no. <laughs> he's like one of the best pitchers we have on our starting rotation right now. He's really just He's so much fun to watch, and I mean, I really was so excited to see him this season because he ended last season so well, and just to see him coming out and just being worth the money that the Red Sox are paying him, and that contract kicked in this year, so it's so nice to see him just bringing everything he's got, getting deep into games, just getting win after win, and it's just it's so reassuring. Yeah, Red Sox only didn't score runs in two innings this game um and rick porcell's era is now 311 with his six and one record that's a solid you take those numbers if you beginning of the year you tell me he's going to go six and one with a 311 era i'm happy with that um and of course you expect them to add another pitcher down the road at some point if they keep this up um you can only get better with the pitching staff rick porcell has done his job so far um this game lauren looked pretty um looked like it could be kind of scary at the beginning you're up three one A's dropped two uh, two runs in the third, um, and it's kind of a close game. And then the fourth, fifth, and sixth, you blow it open, and you don't look back. So um, these guys are on a tear. This offense is on a tear. Um, you scored more than 11 runs um, in these games, and it, it's just miraculous to see what these this team is doing, and they're still doing it to this day. Yeah, I mean, right, they have six runs up right now, and then that's still yeah. that's that's still a lot of runs for a ball game. So it's nice to see that they're just it's not just you know, one game and then they go back. It's not. It's not thirteen to five, and then the next game is one nothing. It's blowout win that they're just putting run after run on the board, and it's and it's a whole team effort. It's not just one person. It's so nice to see everybody contribute. Yeah, and it really is. And then you so you sweep the A's. I know we all predicted two out of three. We all wanted to sweep, but we just thought something would go wrong. Um, and of course, that's all us being pessimistic. We we, sh- we should have probably said sweep last week, Lauren, and we didn't. Um, but they did. They swept the A's, which like they were supposed to. Um, and then you move to a four-game series with an Astros team who didn't start off too hot, but they've won like seven of their last ten coming into the series or something stupid like that. Um, so they're they're getting better. They're starting to figure it out a little bit more. And then you put this this pitching matchup into this game, this first game of the series. David Price uh, versus Dallas Keuchel. Both of them not pitching well. Obviously, really disappointing season so far for Keuchel coming off the Cy Young Award last year. But David Price obviously has had his struggles too. Uh, this was his first start since the Dustin Pedroia discovery in his rotation. I thought he looked good, good Lauren. Yeah, absolutely. When I was watching this game, um, they were doing a side-by-side of Price's delivery. And just like just his leg, mostly it was focused on his leg and his arm. And I was just like, I never realized that how much of a difference just a little bit of movement can make. I mean, I, I was a pitcher in high school, and... I never really did anything different with my delivery, and the fact that Dustin Pedroia, I'm not surprised it was Dustin Pedroia who caught this, but you know the second baseman just probably watching him, he's like, no, that doesn't look right, and I'm going to fix it. And I mean, it seems like something's working for him, but I just think David Price is the most frustrating pitcher because he can give up so many runs and so many hits, but still have double-digit strikeouts. 
Yeah, it, it, that's kind of how he gets his outs. He's been a strikeout pitcher his entire career, and the velocity came back this game. Um, I will say his his leg kick looked better. It wasn't 100% up every time, um, but it was. He, you could tell that's when he was at his best. He was finally hitting that outside corner when he got his leg up. So going in the right direction, he looked good in this game. Go to the other side here. Um, Teichel just did not look good. You roughed him up. Um, four homers off this guy, Bogarts. Um, Bogarts and excuse me, that was only two home runs. A lot of extra base hits off this guy, um, and you put up 11 runs on this team um, that, honestly, beginning of the year, we should look at the schedule. This this, this four-game series was supposed to be difficult, um, and it really hadn't been. And um, this first game was like, oh, God, are they going to keep doing this? Like, that's another 11-run game for this team. Yeah, it's, I, it's just ridiculous, like, in a good way to just see them. And I know it's Houston. I know they're not, like, Houston and Oakland aren't the two best teams out there, but... I mean, I'll take these runs that they're putting up, and you can just see that they're playing the game how it should be played. And to get to pitchers like Sonny Gray, to get to pitchers like Dallas Keuchel early and often and just, like, not looking back, it, I don't care how bad the team is. When you have a name like Sonny Gray and Dallas Keuchel on your rotation, you are hoping for long game, like a not a long game, but they're going deep into games. You're hoping low runs, and it's the exact opposite what they got from these two guys. Yeah, and you expect these guys are good enough. They could be pitching as bad as they are, and one start can turn it around. So you always expect them to add their best, even if they are not pitching well. Same thing with David Price. One start can turn it around, and that start looks like it. So you win this game. You're coming off hot off that Oakland series. You win this first game in the series, and you're still scoring a lot of runs. Um, next night, not so much. You did score six runs, but you end up losing 7-6. Um, Barnes ends up taking the loss, and Gregerson gets the save for the for the Astros. Um, this game was kind of frustrating, Lauren, because you, you're up 5-1, um, and you, it's crazy how that works. You're up 5-1. Um, you, you think, okay, this is another explosion, and then that fifth inning comes, and Houston puts up four and ties the game, and they really couldn't figure it out after that. And for some reason, the Red Sox bats just went cold, and, and credit to the Houston bullpen for kind of shutting them down, but... This is a game that you really should have won when you're, especially the way the season's been going, when you're up five-one, really early. Yeah, uh, this was the one game this week I didn't really get to get to see, but I saw I get the alerts right to my phone, and I, you know, they were, when they're up five-one, I was like, all right, I feel good. Stephen Wright's on the mound and everything, and then it just kind of got out of hand. I was like, oh, what happened? Because Stephen Wright's got the lowest ERA on that rotation, so you're thinking. You know, it's going to be a good game, kind of like how with Sonny Gray, Dallas Keuchel on the mound, you think it's going to be a good game. And not that it wasn't a good game, but he just, his knuckleball wasn't there that, that night. Yeah, and it's tough. And, like, the rain, the rain's a factor. It's hard to throw a good knuckleball when it's raining and like that. And so I, I don't want to cut him too much slack, but I, I will give him the credit that he he looked good for a little bit. And then the fifth inning just unraveled on him. Um, Altuve came up big. Springer came up big that inning with a double. Uh, Gonzalez singled after that. Um, and then Springer hit that bomb the two-run shot um, in the sixth, the next inning, um, and really he just couldn't recover. He couldn't figure it out. And then the Red Sox, obviously, uh, Shaw did hit a homer in, in the sixth to make it 7-6. But those, it, you, you, I was still watching that game. I watched the whole thing and expecting that team to come back as the Red Sox. And they just didn't for the one time they don't. Because it was 7-6 that whole time. I was like, okay, someone's got to break through. It's in the raining. They figured out Houston's not hitting it really well. This is a game the Red Sox can come back and win. And it's nice to be able to have that feeling, Lauren, because last couple of years, if they get down, we knew I turned it off. You knew they weren't coming back. Um, but it's nice to be able to have that feeling, but it just didn't happen this time. No, it didn't. But that's why we have games like the the one after that one where they do come back. <laughs> oh, 
This game, yeah, so we move to Saturday. Obviously, the first loss in a little while here for the Red Sox, but you move on to Saturday, um, Saturday's afternoon's game, and it was on Fox, national televised, so big spotlight here for this team who has been playing well, and, and you look for this team to kind of take a step up and really play well and, and basically shake off that night before in a tough conditions, um, and they did that. Um, this game, Clay Buckholz, man, I don't know how, how much more I can crap on him and how I don't know how Jeff supports this guy. Um Red Sox take a 2-1 lead coming into the second. This game, this atmosphere was crazy later in the game. I was there, so it was kind of cool to be there. But um, top of the second inning, the grand slam, oh, my God, for Springer. That pitch that Buckles threw was right down the middle, Lauren. Like, it was a meatball, like, 88 miles an hour. There was no chance he was missing that pitch. It's just, I I saw this, and I was just like, oh, like, typical Buckles, which I know that I've supported him this whole season and I'm slowly kind of like stepping back and this is, this is the kind of pitcher he is. And I mean, every year I know he comes out and says, I need to be healthy, need to do this. And for whatever reason, I just had more faith in him this year because I want him to do well. But when you throw a pitch like that right down the middle, like you, nobody's going to miss that pitch. No. And the thing is crazy too. And I I look at the grand slam obviously as a problem, but then you go when the first inning, the career Homer, you, you you put a guy in first base, you get you get a double play, and it's like okay, you settled in, you got out of that. Let's get out of this inning and, and go, go move forward. And then you throw another, another meatball to to Correa, who is probably one of his top five shortstop in this league, in my opinion. Um, right up there with Bogarts and the rest of these young guys who are coming up, and you put a meatball to him, and that ball's still going. The Correa home run that he killed that. Oh my ball. god, he crushed that! Absolutely crushed it. I was like, oh god, is this how this game is going to go? And and that's what I thought. And, like, I had tickets to this game a long time ago, and then I saw that Buckholz was pitching. I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. i got to go sit through a Buckholz start. And that's how I felt. After that second inning, the, the Boo Birds were raining down hard from Fenway, me included. I was on my feet booing as loud as I possibly could because he sucks. And I know you can't really do much with him. I, I know you're not going to get much if you try to trade him, so you're kind of stuck with the guy. But he just isn't mentally there. And I will give Buckholz credit, Lauren, because – after that inning, he settled down. He kept you in the game as the Red Sox slowly got a run in the third from that Ortiz solo home run. Um, then Betts um, got a, a run on the fielder's choice in the fourth. And then, obviously, it was 5-4 for a long time. But I will give Clay Buckholz credit for this. He got them to the sixth inning, kept the bullpen in the bullpen when they should have been. They didn't need to be out there that early, and he settled down nicely. But the, the issue is that Clay Buckholz has those bad innings and then doesn't take – like, to take um, – onus of it he just says you know what i'm not getting lucky breaks that's what he said after the game and it's just like no you just suck you're not getting breaks because you're throwing balls over the middle of the plate this is what's frustrating about him too and what keeps me like still one foot on this wagon of clay buckle that i am on just that he can get deep into games and he he only has like that one or two bad innings and i know they're really bad but after that he just settles down and it's like why can't you just figure that out in the first six innings you pitch like I don't understand what is like mentally going on in his head where he cannot throw the ball how he does in the third fourth fifth innings yeah I don't know and it's just like he can't stay consistent he's con- I mean, he's consistent in this sense he has that bad inning and then settles down but he settles down after there's no pressure he can't handle being in a close game he can't handle it um but that being said you move on here you trickle innings trickle on you have your chances they did leave the, the bases uh, loaded they left runners on Red Sox had their chances and then you get to the ninth um, and you get a runner on, David Ortiz is your last hope here. Um, and I will give subtle credit here to Xander Bogarts because obviously, um, in this situation, Bogarts had to get on and he did get on both times that Ortiz came to the plate. Um, 
to give Ortiz a chance to win this game and tie this game. Ortiz hits that triple um, to tie the game in the bottom of the ninth. That was insane. Um, that, I don't know the last time he had the last time he had a triple was 2013. He was chugging over across the bases. Um, really happy he didn't get thrown out at third, but um, it was crazy too because watching it live, I had I was under the I was in the grandstand, so I saw like half of the fly ball and then it just disappeared to the roof, and then. I just saw them keep going and going and going and going, and all of a sudden like, he laid out to catch the ball, and it, it dropped. And at that point, you obviously know the game's tied. So we're all going crazy at Fenway. The atmosphere is electric. David Ortiz just did it again, um, and he's been doing it all year. And then you go to the 11th, Lauren, and you, I mean the Red Sox had their chances um, before that situation. Hanley comes up in the ninth and bunts the ball, and it's like, what are you doing, Hanley? And he claims he missed it. He he saw something or missed the side. I don't even know, but like. That situation is what still frustrates me with this team, is little things like that are still happening despite the big, the awesome stuff kind of masking it. Yeah, and it's easy to get frustrated over that. And, I mean, I kind of just overlooking it just with the runs they're putting up, the the offense they're putting up, and even even the pitching. You know, it's if, I mean, I know one small mistake can cost the game, but the fact that we're winning these games, and uh, I think I'll uh, overlook it. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all are, and I, I think I will too until it gets bad. But um, what, what hurt me worse was after the game and John Farrell's comments. But we'll get into that later. Um, so or- Bogarts gets on Ortiz triples, Hanley blows that chance. We go to extra innings, free baseball, yay! Um, tenth inning, uh, you have a chance, you don't do it. So you go to the eleventh. Um, you Koji does well in, um, to get get out of this and gets through this. And I'm I'm there going, okay, you need to score in the eleventh because you have no pitching after Koji um, that I trust to come into an extra inning game. To, to hold this off and to get another run. So you have two outs. Bogarts comes up with two outs, nobody on. Um, Bogarts being awesome. And this is why I don't mind him not hitting for power alarm because he has the ability to do what he did. Opposite field single, puts the ball in play, he uses the whole field, and that gave Ortiz the chance to do what he did. And then he comes up with two outs. Ortiz cranks the ball and four feet to the right, and that's a walk-off homer for Ortiz. He hits it in the triangle, hits the double, 600th career double, of uh, for David Ortiz, that's I was confused too. I didn't really realize that when I was at the game, and he took the base and walked away with it. I was so confused <laughs> on why he did that. I was like, "What are you doing? That's second base. Like, I get you hit a game-winning double, but who takes the sec? Who takes the bag?" I didn't realize it was a 600th home uh, double at the time. Um, but awesome though, David Ortiz does it again. Gets baby powder thrown on him at second base, um, and and now we're all questioning why he's he's really retiring. It, it was so much fun to watch, and just like how much fun he's having in this season. And now he's up there with um, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds with 600 doubles, 500 home runs, and it's just accomplishment after accomplishment. It's like please don't retire. Like I would love for him to go out on top, absolutely, but. You're so much fun to watch, David Ortiz. Like especially this season, his, like, you just see like his whole heart and soul is just into every game, and just having these celebrations after the game and taking the bag and just like, ah, oh, why does he? I don't, I don't want him to retire. Yeah, I don't. It, it's crazy. I don't think there's really any circumstance that he doesn't come back unless it's like a um, a situation where he gets really close to winning a title and they see that they're gonna get better, so maybe he puts it off. But I, I think. He wants to go out on top, and this is an example of him going out on top. Most guys would be doing this and go, you know what, I'm going to keep playing. He knows this is the best he's going to be, and he's still doing it at age 40. He wants to do, go out with a season like this, and, and that's why he's having so much fun. He knows he's doing his best baseball, and he wants to go out on top. So him doing something like that the other, yesterday um, makes us appreciate him even more. And just, just everyone listening, everyone watching Red Sox this year, just appreciate what – 
you're getting from him. And even as a non-Red Sox fan, if you're just a baseball fan, appreciate this because he should be in the Hall of Fame someday. Um, and this is why. It's stuff like this. He's the greatest clutch hitter of Red Sox history, if not all time. And it's for doing stuff continuously like this. And it's just so clutch. Like, there's like, I know he's like the greatest clutch hitter, but it's, if there's no other way to describe him. He's just, he's always just playing so hard. And I know that even, like you said, as a baseball fan, they should appreciate him, and there's going to be people out there who are like, oh, steroids this, steroids that. But it's like, well, it was never really proven, and so just enjoy it while you can because he's having so much fun. And it's like, how can you knock on somebody for having fun like that? Yeah, no, you can't, and that's why he is who he is, and he's going um, to ride off into the sunset whether they win a World Series or not, knowing he played his baseball, some of his best baseball Um this season for sure so there's your week um obviously they're playing that houston game right there the final game of the houston series as we speak they're winning as we speak um my boy xander hit another a boom of a three-run homer um and look this team's doing well lauren you, you go you only lose once this week so far um it, you're doing what you're supposed to do these kind of weeks and if the red sox go i'm pretty sure i saw something that said like if they go 500 the rest of the way you win 85 games and you know they're not going 500 the rest of the way, the way this team's playing. So, look, this team now has expectations. You have to make the playoffs the way you're starting the season. And I think that would be a huge statement, too, on, on John Farrell's part, because obviously he came into this season with his job on the line, and everyone knew it, he knew it, and obviously Tori Lavulo knows it, and he's ready to step in at any point. And just to, if the Red Sox can keep playing this way and they keep up the, the just the consistency – it's going to say a lot about Farrell, too, because obviously he already made a huge statement with the whole Travis Shaw starting over Sandoval. And now I don't I just don't think he's going to look back. I think he's just going to be like, I need to do what's best for, for the team and not what's best for each individual player. Because you can't cater to these players because it's going to cost you your job. And I think he's finally realized that. And now that the team's playing so well, something just clicked and something went right over the past few weeks. And I don't, I, I give some credit to John Farrell because he did, I mean, I really don't know if this was his decision or not, but he did to pa- Pablo give Travis Shaw the job. He did all that. Um, I don't know how much of that was him or Dombrowski, but you have to give him some credit because he is the face of the team. So I will give him some credit. I don't, I hate to do it. Um, we all know I hate to do it, but I will give him some credit because they're not in last place again. Um, that being said, I give most of the credit to Dombrowski for putting this team together adding who they, he did, and I give the credit to the players for, for, for getting better in the offseason, working hard, Vasquez working hard to get back, that he's made a huge difference for this team, um, and this team's caring, they're, they're fun to watch, I'm not hating on Hanley Ramirez, um, and it's crazy that this team's doing what they're doing, but it's exciting to watch. It's so funny to think, you know, our first show before the season started, or even just the shows in the offseason when we were just ragging on Hanley and just like... He's going to be horrible at first place. It's going to suck. It's yeah. a disaster. And now it's like, wow, he did really well. And like even Porcello, like we were excited for him, but very uh, pessimistic about, or yeah, pessimistic to kind of just like be like excited for him. And it's just so funny how this team can just blow your expectations away. Yeah, they really are. And now, but you see, now we have higher expectations. Um, with the week they had, we expect them to keep doing this now that we, they've shown this young talent has improved and they're here to stay, which is awesome. And it's only going to get better because you have Benintendi and Moncada coming up um, at some point in a couple years or so. Um, and Moncada is already being compared to Mike Trout. Um, so that's exciting if you want to look into that at all because he's in single A. But 
that, that they're already drawing comparisons. So the, obviously the future is bright, and they have options with those two uh, coming up their way as well. Um, MVP this week, Lauren. I, I don't even know who to give it to because everyone played so well. Um, it, it, it just I don't really kind of see flaws in anyone's game, but if I had to give it to someone, I'm going to give it to David Ortiz because he played well all week. Um, he did sit a couple games, but when he got up there, he made it matter. And how can you not give it to a guy after what he did yesterday? Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. Like, who's going to be my MVP for this week? Because it could easily just have been anyone in that in that starting nine. And Ortiz just with him tying the game, winning the game, and just. I mean, then we have Jackie Bradley Jr. is just lighting it up, Travis Shaw, and even Pedroia, he's still just on this hot streak. I'm like, ah, like there's just not one person to give it to. But I do like David Ortiz just because he can't stop hitting the ball. He can't stop driving in the runs, and he's really giving this, this team a really good boost. Yeah, you go down the line, you really don't know. Obviously, you can make a case for everyone. Update, Red Sox are up 8-4. to four. Um, And the the fact that I, you, you really can't decide because Jackie Bradley is on a 20-game hitting streak. Um, I don't think he has a hit today, does he? Let's see here real quick. Yeah, he hasn't had a hit today. So as of right now, 20-game hit streak still. He, he's hitting like 430-something in that hitting streak with like 26 RBIs. Like, He's hitting, and he's hitting when it matters, so it's hard to not give it to him. But the Ortiz has had a great week also, and the meaningfulness of what he did yesterday, I think it has to be him. I mean, he's he's so much fun to watch, and I think he was another player we were kind of like, well, we need to keep our eye out for him because last year, you know, he's supposed to be this really young, good player, and he had a good end of the season, but, you know, he, he wasn't hitting. He was hitting so much better in the in the minors, and now he's finally getting it together where he can hit like he did in the minors at the major league level. And it's, he's been so much fun to watch. I've been, so many players have been so, so much fun to watch and 20 games. And I mean, still, it's only the fourth inning here. So he's got plenty of time to get, get another hit. And it's, I mean, 20 games, that's a lot of games. If you think back to April and towards the beginning of the season, that's a lot of games just to have a hit in. Yeah, it's early in the year, and he started doing it. Obviously, highest hitting streak in the majors. Uh, Bogus has a sneaky, I think it's nine or ten game hitting streak now, too. Um, so he's sneaky, having a good kind of run here as well. But um, that's the week that was uh, for the Red Sox. Obviously, a good week, depend, even if they lose, somehow lose this game today, which they're already winning 8-4. Um, still a good week overall, I think, Lauren, for the Red Sox. Um, recap, not just Thomas's finest work because he's not here, but I did do your best here. And, of course, that recap was brought to you by Loot Crate. The onslaught of big summer blockbusters make be the perfect time to celebrate some of pop culture's unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbeatable characters and objects. Uh, we've got something you can carry, something for your kitchen and cool figure to go with our monthly tea and pin featuring two Marvel terms plus Warcraft and Dragon Ball Z. No one crate should have all this power. Uh, Loot Crate is a monthly subscription, don't forget. Um, for less than $20 a month, you can get six to eight items, including licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique, one-of-a-kind items, and so much more. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com backslash CNS and enter the promo code CNS to save $3 on any new subscription. Um, like we said, Lauren, good week for the Red Sox. Um, and I think we want to start with the MVP, David Ortiz. Um, huge week this week. Obviously, talks of him. I've been swirling around all season the way he's playing, if not retiring. What, why is he being so dumb? Um, I know uh, Ken Rosenthal jokingly asked him while they interviewed him on the field for Fox yesterday, um, are you sure you want to retire? I know you asked this a lot. And he's like, as of right now, uh, yes, I am retiring. Um, and he laughs it off all the time he hears it, but it's a serious question to ask, Lauren. 
is there any chance he doesn't retire? Like, why, realistically, why is he retiring the way he's playing? I mean, is there any reason he won't retire? I, I don't think so. I see he's playing really well. He's always played really well. Um, he, you know, it's hard to think that he's, he is 40 years old. He's been on this team for a long time. He's been part of so many great memories. He's had so many great hits and walk-offs and just even like tantrums when him beating the phone with the bat and almost taking on Dustin Pedroia to screaming at it, coming out of the uh, dugout. (laughs) So like he has a lot of good and like memorable things that he's done. And I, I just think, I don't think he's, not gonna retire. Like, I think it's just this. This is the end for, unfortunately, for for Ortiz. And as much as I don't want that to happen, I would love for him to just have this huge season, like record breaking, like leads the team in hits, RBIs, home runs, everything. And just to have him go out on top with is how I would want him to go out. Like I don't want him to keep playing as he gets older and become more injury prone and just like have his season shortened by by an injury or something or something like that but no at the, at the end of the season I think I think he's done and it makes me sad yeah I think you have to appreciate this year as his last I think he made this decision knowing um he was healthy coming into this year he he hates he hates the travel or he hates the getting ready for the season he hates the, the sleepless nights he hates all that stuff and that's why he's retiring I think if he could just show up and play he would totally do that but that's not possible. You have to go through the, as a team. You have to take care of your body. You have to go to spring training. You have to do all these travel nights. If he could just wake up and be at the ballpark and play baseball, I don't think he would retire. But unfortunately, that's not how it works. It'd be easy if it worked that way. I think. <laughs> yeah, right? If I could just wake up and be at work and then snap my fingers and be here doing the show and snap my fingers and be somewhere else, life would be easy. It would be so much easier. <laughs> that's, that's why it's part of getting old, I guess. But then there would be no need for your Jeep, and I know that would be very sad for you. That would be very sad. I love my Jeep. <laughs> Um, but look, I, I understand why he wants to retire. He's not young by any means. So the, as much as he, he's playing great and he's in shape, sleepless nights don't aren't good for him. Getting ready, his body ready for spring has got to be a little harder every year. Um, and he and he obviously has voiced his opinion on spring training and how stupid he thinks it is. So look, he's retiring. I think the only, like I said, the only way he's not going to retire, and if this is still even a long shot, because getting to the World Series is a long shot. If you get there and lose, I think maybe he comes back and goes for it one more time. But the way he's playing now, the run he's going to have on, you got to think there's going to be postseason baseball because of the way they're playing. And just like I said, if they go 500 the rest of the way, they're going to be in the playoffs. So that is at least borderline because that's 85 wins. But this team is going to be in the playoffs, it looks like, and that's good enough, I think, for him to to go out. So postseason baseball, all summer is going to matter. He's going to be in, in, in kind of connect with the city all summer. These games are mattering. I think every game this year is going to matter, and I think that's all he really asked for. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And it's funny just like how you say every every game matters because last season when they weren't doing so well, and we're like, every week's a big week, every week's a big week, and now it's like every game's a big game. And it's if we look- See, last year we were talking out of our tailpipes. This year we actually mean it. Um, every week mattered last week because we didn't want them to be in last place. The season was practically over this time last year just how bad they were playing um, and just the, what the team was built and how everything was going and Hanley being out after this point last year with the injury. And this point last year, we pretty much knew the season was over. As much as you guys didn't want to admit it, um, the season was over this time last year. Now you have a team fighting for first place with a Baltimore team that shouldn't be there. Um, and this division slipped on its head, and now you have a team looking poised to make baseball matter all the way through September and hopefully into October. Yeah, I 
I mean, I love some October baseball for the Red Sox. I've been missing it the last few years, so. It's nice that we have the Patriots as a distraction, but. It is. Um, definitely once a week. Yeah, and it's a long summer um, if you have nothing to look forward to until Patriots training camp around here. As much as we do love nitpicking at Patriots training camp, um, I would like some baseball that matters in between those practices and interviews that Belichick says nothing to us about. Um, so it's nice to have baseball to talk about all the way through. Um, I think the biggest thing that I think has helped this team um, this year, and I don't think it's being talked about enough because Price has been pitching poorly, Ortiz and Jackie Bradley have been playing well, is what Hanley's been doing. Um, and la- look, last year we all crapped on him. This offseason, Lauren, you, me, and Jess all just sat here and just crapped on him and said it's not going to work. They need to trade him if at all possible. I don't know why they didn't. He's looking like he's having some fun. Um, he's being a good teammate. I don't know if you saw this, Lauren, but yesterday the hidden ball trick um, with Altuve, he threw the ball back right away to, to um, Buckholes, and Altuve didn't know if he had the ball in his hand. So Altuve literally looked into Hanley's glove, opened it up, and like tried to look for the ball. And Hanley was like, what are you doing? Get out of here. And like, it's those little things that, it, that that's the stuff that reminds you of Manny, and you're putting up for it with it because they're winning. He's hitting well. But he's having fun again. I don't think he enjoyed last year. And he's part of an infield that's a team. Um, you saw him, I don't remember when this was, but there was a time where Travis Shaw hit a home run. He came to the dugout, and Hanley like jumped on his back like he wanted a piggyback ride <laughs> because he was so happy for Travis Shaw. Like, wh- where does that come from? It's, he's so much fun to watch, and I'm so happy that we were so wrong about him because we saw in the Oakland series when uh, Coco Chris was taking the lead off the bag and he kind of, Chris just kind of like made a little line with his cleat and then Hanley went over and just kind of pushed over. He's like, no, <laughs> you're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's what I love seeing. It's just, it's, it's, it's fun. It's not like hostile or the dugouts are going to clear. It's friendly competition and it's so much fun to see him having fun and just smiling and laughing and really enjoying being in Boston, because last year he clearly wasn't. He didn't like the outfield. He didn't want to play. He just couldn't get it together. But And I can understand if he was an infielder. Obviously, he was a shortstop for a while. And then trying to throw him in the outfield, he probably feels like he belongs in the infield somewhere. And that's obviously the case. And like I said, I'm glad we were wrong, because he's proven every expectation I had for him. He's just completely flipped it upside down. And it's just been so good this year. And look, he's he's going to have his handling moments. He did yesterday when he put the bunt down when David Ortiz, the winning run, was on third base. Like, he has those moments. Um, I'm more annoyed with John Farrell said after the fact. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But Hanley is going to have his handling moments. It's just like exactly what Manny was like. And I'm pretty sure Hanley's come out and said he modeled his game after Han- Manny. So uh, no surprise there. Um, but you put up with it because he's winning. Um, I, I still think that I'm not completely sold. I'm very happy that what he's doing, and I'm enjoying watching it. I will admit that I was wrong. We all were. We all were wrong. There's no way any of us could have predicted this. And if you did, you're probably lying because there's no way you saw this coming with Hanley Ramirez, um, especially when he showed up to spring training without a glove <laughs> for day one. So you know that no one knew this was coming. But So everyone's happy to see it. I think everyone's also kind of in the back of their heads looking out for the shoe to drop and him go back to what he is and, you know, out with a crappy injury, not playing well as a teammate, everyone's hoping that doesn't happen, but I think everyone's also keeping an eye out for it in case. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised just because, you know, last year we referred to him as a clubhouse cancer, just his attitude and was just so negative. And now it's like he's a completely different person. So who knows if it was Dombrowski or if it was Pedroia getting in his face or like something like that, that it was just something was said or something was done that Hanley was like, okay, like, this I signed a big money contract. I'm going to be here. Um, 
in my 30s. I'm not a spring chicken. Like, I need, <laughs> I need to get this. I need to play how I'm capable of playing. Yeah, and I, I think he's doing that fine. I think I think the biggest thing is he feels more comfortable um, in the infield. He is happy that he's back fielding ground balls. Um, obviously, we knew it wasn't going to work when you put a infielder in the outfield who was lazy enough as it is. Um, he wasn't going to work, and we all saw what happened when you do that. So he's happy to be part of that team. Um, obviously, last night that bun situation wasn't great, but also I'm more annoyed with what John Farrell said after. And Obviously, he's not going to call out anyone when they're winning, but he doesn't call out anyone ever. And that's kind of my biggest problem with John Farrell is last night Hanley clearly missed a sign, clearly screwed it up, and that could have cost them the game. If they didn't win, we would be talking about it more. John Farrell after the game, basically, Lauren says just, you know, he must have saw, jokingly, he's like, you know, we must have saw something we didn't see. No, John Farrell, he missed the sign, screwed up, and almost cost you the game. Why can't you just admit that? Yeah, it's like, in a way, I kind of like that he doesn't typically call people out, because I, I almost feel like that can be, be a negative thing, but at the same time, I love when, when coaches and managers go off on these rants and they're calling out their players, because I feel like that just kind of fuels them, like, I can't do that again, I can't screw up again like that, because I'm going to get called out, and I don't want that, but I can see how that could be seen as Farrell protecting his players, but I, I do, I, I like the way he handles the media, and I mean, I mean, it kind of bugs me too that he says it when I was a clearly missigned, but it, they won, so obviously we're not talking about it as much if, if they had lost. Yeah, exactly, and I just think that obviously you don't want him to call him out too much, but I just wish he would have a little more of a backbone with his players, and I think that's why a lot of us in Boston don't like him because he just doesn't take accountability for what his players do. Um, and I think that moving forward, he's not going to change, but Hanley completely messed up. It was so obvious that it was just him missing the signing because no way, as much as I hate John Farrell, he would not have called for a bunt in that situation. No, I, I don't I don't think so either. I, I don't really see a reason why there would be why he would call for a bunt in the situation that they were in yesterday. Yeah, so that happened, and that really pissed me off, and I was up going crazy while at the game, because I was like, why are you squaring for a bunt right now? Um, but thank, thank God it didn't cost them the game, and they obviously moved on and won. Um, but do you think this is John Farrell's, I, obviously you guys don't hate John Farrell as much as I do, but um, is there any sense of inability to manage here? There's obviously been more than one instance with this, Lauren. Are you at all concerned for John Farrell's job? Obviously they're winning, so they're not going to get fired. But like long-term, do you see them keeping him here? Um, I mean, I guess it just, long-term, I guess it depends how this season goes and what he continues to do as a manager. And, I mean, I don't, beginning of the season, we said let's give him to, like, May, maybe June, and, He's doing really well, and this season I I see him staying for the entire season. Long term, I I don't know. I hate saying like wait and see, but I guess it's just we have kind of is though. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is unfortunately because he's on a, almost a case by case basis at this point. Um, what you know, one thing that would really help me like him a little more, um, get Clay Buckles out of the rotation, um, like or or just do something because you're supposed to be this pitching guru here, and you can't get into Clay Buckles' head. He's been here for so long, and I, my time is really I, I'm not patient anymore with Clay Buckles because he's been consistently bad. Um, na- nicknames have been throwing around. I love the Clay Suckholz nickname. I love it. It's so great um, because it's so fitting, Lauren. This, I'm so done with him. I'm so done with the inconsistencies and the fact that he doesn't have a pair to pitch in a close game. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating. And, it, and today, Farrell came out and said that 
um, Buckles is staying in the rotation despite his ERA and his record. And I think his uh, ERA is 6'11", so it's not what we want to see. Of course not. It could be worse. But I think, and it, it's annoying. Like you said, Farrell's this pitching guru, and I was so happy when we brought him back. I loved him as a pitching coach. I think he's a fantastic pitching coach. He knows these players inside and out. And for whatever reason, there's something about Buckles that cannot be figured out. And I don't know if that's on Buckles, if that's on Farrell, or who that falls on. Because he can't pitch well. And it's it's getting so annoying. Cause I'm sure like when you went to the game, you're like, great, i got to sit through this. It's going to be it's gonna be long. It's going to be horrendous to watch. And I was going to say I need a few extra beers in <laughs> me today. That's how I felt when I walked into the game. Uh, it's just... And I hate feeling that way before a game because I really was an advocate for Buckles this year. I was right there next to Jess, just like, Buckles. You guys were so wrong. So So wrong wrong right now. I mean, you can still turn it around, but it's, I just, I have that one foot on the wagon that does not want to get off because, like I said earlier in the show, he can still get into games and he throws the ball. He's just throwing it. He's throwing the wrong pitches to the wrong batters that they're not going to miss knocking it out of Fenway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he has... It's the same, almost the same argument with Joe Kelly. He has the stuff, he just can't put it together. Um, and I'm afraid of what happens when Joe Kelly comes back, too. Um, obviously, him and Rodriguez are making his way their way back. Um, Erod got bumped around a little bit in Pawtucket in his last start. So, John Farrell has come out and said they're going to make at least one more start, each of them, before they do come back. So, right now, Ryan O'Sullivan... Uh, Sean O'Sullivan, excuse me, is your guy. He's the guy that is going to be filling in these spot starts. He hasn't been terrible, but he's what you're expecting to be. And I'm, honestly, I'd rather... Uh, Sean O'Sullivan, it, to me, is a better option than Joe Kelly. Um, Sean O'Sullivan's a better option than Clay Buckholz. But they're not going to do that. They're going to leave They're going to leave Buckholz in the rotation. They're going to give Joe Kelly a spot back. Yeah, I mean, I guess because Kelly got injured so early into the season that he should come back and get a spot back. And maybe he should be a little more vocal about when he's hurt or when something is bothering him or something doesn't feel right because then, mm-hmm. I mean this could have been so much more than than just a, a tiny impingement and he's lucky Kelly's lucky that it's not a rotator cuff or something more serious but I mean it's I, I like Kelly I really really do and he's got such fast stuff but I just think he belongs in the bullpen he's got that velocity where it's like put him behind Kimbrel and it's just he can go two, three, maybe four innings of good, solid stuff, but he's just not hes not a starter. He's just not. No, and that, that kind of lays down the question of what happens when everyone's healthy and everyone's back. You have an odd man out because Stephen Wright's not coming out of that rotation. God, no. I think he's earned that spot more than so, anyone. So then what happens? Because now you... You take O'Sullivan, that's, O'Sullivan's the easy one, obviously. You put him back down, um, or maybe put him in the bullpen. He hasn't pitched terribly, um, but... Obviously, that spot goes back to Rodriguez when he's fine. Then you have Joe Kelly coming back, um, and that would have been Stephen Wright coming out, but no, you're not going to do that. So the obvious choice is either put him in the bullpen, get a, get a long relief guy who can pitch a few innings before he blows up, or take Clay Buckles out. Yeah, The latter's not going to happen. It's not, and but I, I'm curious to see if Kelly comes back, strings together two or three good starts, and Buckles still struggles if that's when Buckles will go on the DL with his mysterious uh, injury or if he'll skip a start because Kelly's pitching well. So, like, I wonder if this is going to be a battle for that fifth that fifth start, that fifth pitcher. Like, 
I would love to see Joe Kelly force Farrell's hand and say, you know what, I'm pitching better than he is. Why am I not? Or like, why am I coming out of the rotation if that was to happen? Because if that happens, say Joe Kelly comes back and is decent, has a couple good starts, anything better than Clay Buckholz is fine with me. If he comes back and does that, and then he still keeps, and then say takes and then lets Buckholz pitch still, everyone in Boston is going to be calling for Farrell's head in, in an uproar, I think, because no one likes Buckholz. And if Joe Kelly comes back and pitches well and is healthy, why would you not make that easy switch? Right, and it seems like, and like I said, it seems like it's easy. I mean, we're talking about it right now, like it's the easiest thing to do. And, you know, I think that comes back to Farrell protecting his players. I think he genuinely likes Buckles, and he's been with him for a long time. And it's, I'm sure it's not easy for Farrell to watch this guy struggle. It's not easy for us to watch him struggle. But this is what it comes down to, is doing what's best for the team and not for the players. Yeah, it's 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 what he does. He protects the guys he likes, and he has he has those ties to Buck Holson. So he's going to obviously keep him around. He's not going anywhere. I don't think he's going to keep pitching, even though he sucks. And it's just going to be the way it kind of works out the rest of the way. So obviously, the Red Sox are playing well despite all this stuff, and it's just the fact that you get on a run like you did, and then Buck Holson, um, thankfully, should have been should have been the stopper, and thankfully the Red Sox pulled him out of it, um, and he settled down a little bit, but. I don't trust him to kind of keep a winning streak going. I thought they were going to lose yesterday. So, obviously, we want to see where that goes. Um, before we do uh, move on to predictions and obviously get out of here for the week, obviously, there's some there's some major league news around the, the league as well that we want to touch base on. First, this happened earlier in the week, Lauren. Um, Jose Reyes, though, uh, accepted a 51-game suspension for that domestic violence situation. Um, not really shocked by it by any means. No, me either. And, you know, it's, I know domestic violence kind of is not really huge in in baseball. It's more like NFL, as bad as that sounds. And I know we had... Well, it's because Goodell put in a bad situation. It's a very bad situation. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think Goodell kind of shaped how commissioners shouldn't be when it comes to serious subjects such, such as domestic violence. And he, Rob Manfred made the statement of suspending a role to Chapman for his whole domestic violence shooting, shooting at his ex-girlfriend or his girlfriend at the time. And... I think it's, I mean, 50 games, that's, that's a lot of games. And I think, I mean, I'm so, like, torn about suspensions on domestic violence because it's, like, it happens, it's the whole, like, off-the-field behavior thing. Obviously, they should they should absolutely be punished for it, but it's, like, 50 games, slap on the wrist. It's kind of like when you suspend somebody for, for steroids or PEDs. It's the slap on the wrist. They're going to come back like nothing happened. They're still going to get cheered and... Chances are they're going to do it again. So, and I understand that commissioners want to come out and just like ban somebody for life or ban somebody for the year for a one-time thing. But mm-hmm. it just if I don't know, like I'm so torn on how they should handle it. But so I I applaud Manfred for what he's doing, and I'm glad that Reyes is accepting it because I'd be pretty pissed if he was like, no, I'm going to appeal that. Yeah, no, I, he needs to accept it. And I think it's the right decision. But obviously, we touched base a lot on this in the last couple, uh, in the previous shows when it first popped up. So we don't need to go in length about it. But right decision. I think Reyes realized it's it's a slap in the wrist, like you said. So just get it over with. You're on a bad team anyway, and no one really wants you on their team. So just take 51 games off, be done with it, and come back and whatever. Um, so off that note, I know we talked quickly about Lincecum and um, last week and how he was kind of. Get had like a um, kind of like a basically a trial pitching kind of camp type thing where a bunch of uh, scouts, including one from the Red Sox, went and saw him pitch. Of course, this week apparently it's been told that the White Sox are the favorites to land Lincecum. Um, obviously, the Giant. I think the Giants are in play as well. But if the White Sox say add Lincecum, they're adding to 
a great pitching staff as it already is with um, Sale, obviously, pitching well, hasn't lost yet this year. Uh, Quintana's come out of nowhere. The Red Sox saw him um, pitch well. And then, obviously, Matt Latos has pitched amazingly well this year. He's 5-0. and um, And he came. he's coming off a t- season last year where, to forget, he was in Miami, and now he's in Chicago. And those three guys already in themselves are the reason why the White Sox are doing so well. If Lincecum's at all what he was before, add a fourth guy to that rotation, um, and he's it's phenomenal. Yeah, and even if Lincecum wasn't what he was before in the White Sox land, I mean, he's still a good pitcher. I mean, he lost a lot of what he had. Obviously, it comes with age and just, you know, injuries and everything like that, and I love Tim Lincecum. I loved watching him. I called him the freak. He's just got this hair, and <laughs> the the he's just got... I don't know. I've just always really liked him, and I, I want to see him play again, and I want to see him do well, and I think I think Chicago would be an interesting fit for him just because he's so used to being, obviously, you know, with the Giants, and but I think a big city like Chicago would be good for him. I think the biggest thing for me is seeing him pitch in the AL consistently. Yeah. Um, been an NL pitcher with the Giants, and I'd be intrigued to see, obviously now not at the peak of his career, to see how he would pitch in the AL consistently in a division that um, was not supposed to be led by the White Sox by any means, and now on a team that's good again. He knows what it's like to pitch in the pressure. He's done it. But in the, in the AL, it's a little different. Obviously, it helps him enough to hit if he go into the White Sox, but I would, I'm intrigued to see where that would go. Um, obviously, there wouldn't be too much pressure on him because he'd probably he'd be the fourth or fifth starter in that rotation, but I mean, as much as I wouldn't want one to come here, I don't think we. I don't. I really don't think I'd want him. He, you, I can see the upside, and I can see what he would bring to, as a four or five starter um, on a rotation. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be fun to see where he lands if he lands somewhere this year, and if it's the AL, I'm going to look forward to watching him pitch consistently in in my league. Yeah, I, th- I think it'd be fun to watch um, for sure. One other kind of thing I wanted to touch on around Major League Baseball um, involving the Texas Rangers. Uh, his name is Matt Bush. You might know him, you might not. He was picked first overall. I think it was 12 years ago now, um, and he made his Major League debut last night um, or the other night. I think it was actually last night, but he flawless ninth inning for the Rangers. Um, they're already losing. They lost like five nothing, but. He made his major league debut, but the crazy thing, he's 30 years old. He was picked first overall um, that year, but he went to prison for three and a half years um, for, a, some, for a drunk driving accident. So he's gone through all that, finally got his way back to the majors. And I know he went to prison for a, a terrible thing in terms of, not a terrible thing, but he was drunk driving. Um, so I know he went to prison for three and a half years and all this stuff, but I still kind of like the story because he could have easily fallen back into what he was and drank all the time, and he could have easily just swindled back into being a pathetic loser, really. Um, but he didn't. He came back and was hoping to get a shot, and he did, and he looked good in his Major League debut, finally. Yeah, and it's, you know, I really like this guy's story because alcoholism is, like, a huge deal with me, and I have a lot of, like, personal connections with it, so when I hear somebody being able to come back from it, it just, it makes me so happy because it's, like, and he's young, too, so it's, like, he figuring out, figuring it out now, he had to go through some crappy stuff to, to get to this point. It's unfortunate that he was in an accident where it could have ended his life, ended, and it caused, I think it was in 2012, um, yeah, causing serious bodily injury. So he's lucky that nobody was killed, and he's lucky that prison probably turned his life around and was like, okay, like I have a career ahead of me. I was drafted number one for a reason. So, and even though he was, he was drafted as a shortstop, which is, which is interesting, but it's, it's, I like his story. I like watching him and. I hope he can stay sober and stay on track. 
yeah, I'd like to see it. I think he's moved past his alcoholism. I think he's getting in the right direction. And I'd like to see him be consistent for the Rangers here, who are also playing well. So I'd like to see him kind of be consistent for them as well. Um, so there you go. There's some MLB news kind of around the league um, real quick. And now we're going to get to the predictions before we get out of here. Um, last week, I think all of us predicted two out of three from the A's. They obviously swept them. Um, you guys both picked three out of four from the Astros. They go five and two. I picked split with the Astros to go four and three. Obviously, I was wrong, but um, Astros, they could technically still split with the Astros as of this show recording, so I'm not technically wrong yet, but um, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but this upcoming week, Lauren, you got three at Kansas City, quick road trip, and then coming back to play three against Terry Francona and the Cleveland Indians. Um, side note, it will be very sad that uh, Terry Francona will be here, and Don Arcella will not be there yeah. with him. <laughs> it is, it is sad. And uh, just quick update: it is now eight to six. So oh, oh. crawling back, Robbie Ross Jr. gave up uh, oh, a double, oh. I believe, to run double. So Robbie Ross, eight man. to six. Um, bases are loaded with two outs. So that's, while we're still on air, we're uh, keep an eye on that. Um, I'm excited to see the Royals come in, though. I'm pretty excited. I think they're going to take. Two or three, I know World Series champs, but I think the Red Sox are just going to continue this this burst of just putting runs together and just being a really good, consistent team. So I'm I'm kind of sad I'm not going to see my my boy Johnny Cueto, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll get over it. And I'm thinking, yes, you will, because it's a good chance for them to win if he's not there. Exactly. So I'm thinking two or three from the Royals, and uh, going to be bold and say sweep. Tito in the in the Indians. I will be there on Saturday, so Ooh. that'll be fun. Fun, yeah. So uh, two guys, two teams coming in from the AL Central. Um, I agree with you, Lauren. I think they're going to take two out of three from Kansas City. Look, I know they're the defending world champs, and they'll probably be close to it right when they get to the end of the season, but Obviously, in the division with those White Sox, um, they are under 500 right now, and they're not playing great baseball. Um, so I think that, for me, I look at that and go, and also on top of that, they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. So... You, you might lose a game. Just I'm, I'm hesitant to say sweet because I know the talent that's on that roster. Um, so I'm going two out of three because of that. But I do think you can take advantage of the Royals not playing well. Um, as far as the Indians go, they're better than the Royals. So I can't really say – I don't really want them to I, – I, I think they could sweep the Indians. And this is basically my kind of way I didn't say sweep the A's. Obviously, the A's are a lot worse. But Indians are playing well. I think they have a good roster led by Francona. I think you're going to win two out of three from the Indians. I think you're going to go four and two this week, um, which honestly, Lauren, I, if, the, if you do that, I don't consider that a bad week by any means. No, not at all. And a uh, quick update, Robbie Ross got out of that inning. So. <laughs> oh, thank God. So it's uh, still eight to six. I think it's going into the fifth or the sixth inning. So hopefully they can clear out the, the Astros team. Yeah, that would be nice. I wouldn't hate to take three out of four from Houston. And that wouldn't put them at what? Seven and one, six and one this week. Yeah, that'd be a week. That would be a very good week. That'd be a nice week, especially because you got to keep up with Baltimore who keeps winning. I um, stop that. Don't know where that came from, but um, there you go. Though I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I'd love to see them sweep the Indians, Lauren. I hope you're right because I think they could, but I think something's going to happen. I just do. I just they're they're a good team. Um, so I, I think, but you know, if they went four and two, I'd still be happy for sure. Oh no doubt. Uh, Can't. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I definitely think that you can you can't go wrong with that. Um, but there you go. That is Red Sox beat for another week. Of course, you can catch the show um, 
you're listening to the show on Stitcher, or iTunes, or CLNS app, wherever you're listening to, we appreciate it. Obviously, we'd love to, to kind of rate and review us, um, know what you think, help us grow the show by doing that as well. So go on there, give us the rates and reviews, subscribe, share the show as much as you can. Um, today's show, of course, was brought to you by uh, Loot Crate and SeatGeek. Once again, some great deals, and most importantly, you'd help us with the broadcast so we can come here after every game. Um, and we can talk about the Red Sox and really kind of give you that sense of what's going on after week-to-week basis. Um, you can obviously check out LootCrate.com for free offers. Um, look. We've got a great week of baseball up ahead, Lauren. It's unfortunate that Jess couldn't be here to recap what it was a great week, but um, he'll be back next week, um, full crew next week, I hope. Um, but until then, for Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scali. Happy engagement to Jess Thomas once again. Um, and this has been Red Sox Beat here on Theonis Radio. <laughs>